my name is Matthew McDermott. I am a senior staff writer at Resident Advisor, and you are listening to the RA Exchange, a series of conversations with the artists, labels, promoters, and other figures who are shaping the electronic music world. Um, today, I am here with John Frusciante in Hollywood, California. Welcome, John. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks. Um, yeah, it's great to have you. And um, we are here because John has recently announced a new record called Maya. It'll come on the Planet Moo sublabel run by Aaron Funk, aka Venetian Snares. Yeah, and it's a really exciting record. It, it represents a new direction um, in a career that's been full of sort of left turns. And we were. We were just sort of hanging out in the living room area and we were surrounded by CDs um, and you stated that you always practice guitar playing along to CDs and you still practice all the time of course but I, I've sort of noticed that practice sort of teaching yourself machines is also crucial to your electronic music practice right and how did Maya come together tell us a little bit about the pre-work that went into that I always have seen, for me, the learning part has always been the main part of being a musician for me. Um, the the performance part is just a byproduct of that. Uh, the the writing part, uh, you know, in it's it's always been more about practicing for me than than anything else. The other parts are just like this extra thing that happens naturally, but the practice is is the foremost part and, and in electronic music like I've spent a lot of you know I'm I'm always spend a lot spending a lot of time organizing my sample folders like learning machine learning machines deeper and deeper like figuring out more and more things you can do with the limitations of each machine and stuff and trying to think of think of creative ways of uh, combining one piece of gear with another piece of gear in, in creative ways so all that stuff, like there's a lot of experimentation that goes on between the tracks that I make that I would say is pretty similar to what I do on guitar with practicing. You know, it's the equivalent. It's just sp spending a lot of time souping up a drum machine so it's really fun to program when you're actually programming it, but spending days or even a week just getting that drum, just personalizing it to really make it sound uh, unique to yourself you know and same thing with with all kinds of gear just like just spending just spending a lot of time really getting to know it so your head is really inside it and it's the same thing practicing does for me on guitar but 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 also i do play guitar like along with like records as well like like at the moment i'm really into like like it, right i mean i'm here i'm living in an apartment so i don't i don't have my record collection with me so that's why it's like if you were in my house you'd probably notice my records more quicker than because their living room is full of like i don't know 15,000 records or something like that but i particularly like playing along with like uh, uh ghetto house like dance mania records it it's a really it's a it's a different take on funk you know uh the, the kinds of melodies and parts that they have in, in that music and I find it really uh, inspiring to play guitar along with. 
And another thing that has informed your electronic music recently is the idea of paring down. If we talk about dance mania or we talk about suburban bass, like a lot of times these are artists that are not working with studios full of gear. And and this is this concept of like making something simply and just like hitting it with a few different elements and that being all you need yeah has been influential correct yeah it's been it's been really inspiring for the music on maya and and she smiled because she presses the button everything i've released this year i i try to limit myself to to a few machines per per track yeah like suburban bass like a lot of those people just had like a sampler and a mixer or whatever or or maybe one synth or something like it was a lot for somebody back then to have like you know one one effects unit one for reverb and or echo you know one and i find that that i like the sound of that when people are really like struggling to make the most out of a few machines so i have a lot of gear and i i've often thought of just putting most of it in storage and just seeing what happens you know if i but but instead i've tried to recreate that by having having a by just deciding like for like as I did for this Maya record like I'm going to try to do everything I can on one synth the DX7 just try I'm going to try to do as many of the melodic parts on that as I can and then maybe pick like one other like analog synth or something to do anything that I can't seem to do on the dx7 but try to force myself to do that and using breakbeats a lot or just using one drum machine per per tune because i went through a period years ago where where i was just like you know from the computer like playing like 15 different drum machines at once one one sound off each drum machine and stuff and stuff like that and uh it's a lot it's been a lot more inspiring on this record to just take one drum machine per song and just be like okay just like make make it really all about making the most out of this one machine try to try to to get the drum machine to have have a to have power coming out of it you know as opposed to just this little bit of this machine to really see what it what a machine's power is and what it's um what its capabilities are that sound of just pushing one is more is just I find as a listener is more exciting to me than than somebody just grabbing little tidbits from different machines or on a computer using different samples from different machines, which is not that different from what I was doing before. So, and then I have a separate setup which I did. She smiles because she presses the button on, which is just three or four machines, mm-hmm. and and I can't do overdubs on that setup, and so. Uh, yeah, I really like working within limitations like that, whether it's like being inspired by Autechre or Dance Mania or, you know, we hear about Aphex now with his like 10 studios in, in the one house. It's it's an interesting idea. So I so in my in my studio, I've got a lot of gear in a pretty small space. So I just I try to for each track, just sort of imagine that I OK, I only have these four you know like let's try to make a track out of nothing but those elements you know yeah Yeah. and and how did this affect the sound of maya like how would you describe the sound of maya especially as it relates to other records that you've other electronic music records that for the most part have come out under the alias trick finger this being the first john frusciante record since 
studio album since uh, 2014's Enclosure. Like, how how do you describe this record if you were just talking to a fellow music person? I guess it it is meant to be somewhat genre specific. Like I like the inspiration is definitely like ninety one to ninety six jungle, but but the but I I'm not trying to recreate that music. There's a lot of excellent people around the last few years that that are like they're recreating hardcore and jungle and stuff, or or doing something that's pretty much recreating it and adding some extra element, some extra like some extra ideas that weren't in it but for the most part it's still based on that template basically and 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 I really like a lot of that stuff but um in my case I suppose I'm I'm it just happens to be what I was listening to every day when I was making this stuff and it is breakbeat based music um on Maya but the melodic elements it's not really meant to like it's 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 meant to just be my sort of version of a modern take on the basic ideas of jungle which wind, winds up being there's a lot more the drums go into a lot more abstract territory and stuff it's it's probably chopped up maybe more extremely than they were even technically able to back then with the samplers they used and stuff where you really had limited sample time so I do use machines that they used back then, but I use them more for the sound, but I do most of my chopping up in, in, in a computer program where I can, it's limitless, you know. So uh, it's more chopped up and, and I, you know, I'm told by, you know, it's a lot of my friends consider, the, consider it to be jungle, but other friends consider it to be IDM and, and I don't know, like m- melodically, I probably am inspired by, uh, by that sort of mechanical sense of melody that that people have who never learned to play a guitar or never learned to play the piano who uh people like you know whether it's like those people on the old acid stuff or dance mania or or um or autecker or richard d james where uh, i'm i'm i've always been inspired and i by and i've gradually learned to to alter my sense of melody to make it be a more machine-like sense of melody, mm-hmm. to have it be a, uh, to write melodies that couldn't come from anything but somebody, you know, pressing buttons and turning knobs and 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 uh, getting the melody out that way, like making melodies on drum machines in different ways. You know, there's certain like like. Uh, just there's certain means of making melodies where it's never going to come out sounding like an expressive pop melody because you're struggling so much to get it to to be any kind of melody at all but in a lot of ways that that pop sensibility that that I grew up cultivating uh it was a, it took me a long time to really get it out of my to to really get get that out of my system and get to a point where I could make what I considered to be these sort of uh, more colder, uh, more machine-like melodies that that work really well in the context of supporting drums, mm. rather than uh, being the center of yeah. the of the focus of of the track. Um, it it took me a while to get to where that that became natural for me. Um, but yeah, like like I was specifically I the that that album. Um, I care because you do by Aphex. I, I was really, 
into the melod where just where because later he got into much more fancy kind of melodies with yeah. the analord stuff and and to some degree the Richard D James album and all that like uh, but where he was at in in his progression at the time of I care because you do the melodies they're I really like them for having that cold machine like quality to them um, that. Uh, they're beautiful and at the same time there's a characteristic to them that I would describe as sort of non-expressive and machine-like that I I found very inspiring when I was making this record because it's it's the way I've tried to funnel my sense of melody um, and yeah Autech or two or like you know to me like just masters of of that type of melody you know that like like I suppose I've I have drawn a lot of inspiration from like uh, IDM people when it comes to to that and just the excess of chopping up the beats like that you yeah. know yeah it's it's, it's interesting though um, we were speaking about this record a bit off off mic and and you were saying yeah a lot of DJs were around like through uh, your partner. RTO9 and also your label partner in Evar Records, like where, yeah, you know, they come over, they're looking for shit to play, and it's like, oh man, I gotta like make some stuff that fits within this milieu, like something that could theoretically be played at like an after party or something like that. Like, do you feel. Do yeah, like, like I, I had about a year before I made Maya where I was really specifically avoiding things that were dancey i was just making real abstract stuff and like noise stuff and like really trying to avoid anything that would be appealing to anybody just sort of programming for programming sake and but gradually like people people were i guess right around right after i recorded the first couple of tracks that are on maya our friend uh, Wheezy started coming over quite a bit and we would sit there and listen to Jungle and Drum and Bass records all night and he was turning me on to a lot of the early dubstep and stuff and and uh, and yeah, so like playing playing him my music and different friends, Stephen Francis and Marcy has who are excellent like DJs and people who would come into town to play shows that she was throwing and stuff. It, it started to factor in when I'd see people liking what I was doing and it started to inspire me to 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 you know to to know that like people were DJing my tracks and stuff like and so that that gradually started to become the context in which I was making music even though I'm not a DJ myself that I started to think about living with Oratio 9 who I'm always I've been seeing her gradual prop progress as a DJ over the years and that idea that a DJ has to uh, has to hold on to which is I think it's one of the primary things of the the skill of it is to keep every keep the music moving forward like mm -hmm. don't let it uh, don't like of course there's there's peaks and valleys but but uh, but in general you're keeping you're keeping a drive you're keeping a driving forward movement going yeah. sometimes I'm conscious when I make a track of like having a, a, a good ending to be able to mix in out of mm -hmm. or mix into like that idea was real interesting to me but but especially that idea of having it having it relentlessly drive forward mm -hmm. um, 
it's a way of looking at things that as as a as a guitar player I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought of it that way. Um so yeah, listening to music with DJs and 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 having them hear my music definitely did have a gradual effect on how what I was making and how I was making it and what considerations I was giving to things make, making sure that a lot of the tunes have sections that are nothing but drums, you know, making making sections that have more space. I found that when when I gradually was discovering that that that's the sort of um uh, format of of uh, of dance music that that they that it usually has intros and outros that are meant to be mixed in and out of uh, that was mind opening to me because I'd been listening to this electronic music for a long time and not realizing that oh that's the reason so many tunes end with like a hi hat and a melody or a start with a bass line and a hi hat or st- you know it, yeah. it was just it's as interesting as any kind of classical form, especially when you, or, or pop music form, when you, when you start to see how how especially how one piece of music has the potential to interact with another piece of music. Yeah. So yeah. So it's 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 definitely affected the way I think when I make what I make, and 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 uh, and especially with just trying to make music that's like, that's an explosion of sonic energy in the way that most of the the dance music that I love is. Yeah. yeah. It it's it's interesting like I'm starting to like understand the tension in your creative process as like two seemingly oppositional forces sort of meeting and then like in the middle like that's something that you f- seemingly find like uh like a creatively fertile ground even if it is like sort of based in conflict and like this is a theory but I'm curious about what you think. Like, let's say, for instance, on Maya, you were like, okay, I'm going to do sections with just drums. My melodies are going to be like cold and simple and basically propping up the drums. But in the past, like along with certain Aphex records, like you also love Yes. And you have collaborated with like people like Omar Rodriguez Lopez, who are like very clearly trying to like, channeled this Prague thing like that making music that's within like the Prague legacy and even Richard D. James has done stuff that's both extremely minimal and could presumably be square pusher I yeah, would yeah. say especially I yeah. really like his made music that dips into that territory yeah so so like it's like this like Prague thing and then like the pare it down as much as you can and like like it seems like there are these two oppositional forces or paradoxical forces that both like maybe inform you almost equally yeah i mean a lot of the time music you know in music it's it's as much about what you don't say as what you do so it's sort of a lot of the time it's choosing like what things do i want to allow myself to be influenced by for what i'm doing here and which things do i not and that doesn't mean you can't be taking in something like when i was making this stuff on maya for example i was practicing guitar one day a week and i was i was learning nothing but charlie christian mm-hmm. solos for the whole year for people who don't know that's basically the first person who was like doing electric guitar solos on an electric guitar in like 1939 through 41 is his main period and so like like 
like to see that effect that electricity had on the guitar was sort of how I looked at it. Like, like I wasn't looking to make melodies like that or make music like that, but to look at how uh, uh, the first person who's really sort of uh, opening people's ears to how electricity can combine with uh, with an instrument to 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 make new types of melodies and things like that. It, it, it was that, that's what I found inspiring. Like, mm. like I can't say that, you know, that, like I definitely, you know, yeah. There's nothing on the record that I would say is influenced by that, but I'm sure it's in there somewhere, you know. <laughs> so, so yeah, like, um, you know, the first, you know, five years or so that I was like really into machines like the 202 and the 303 especially with the 202 I was doing very extravagant kind of melodies with lots of fast notes and using the full range of the machine and all that and um, doing very kind of complex uh, expressive beautiful melodies and stuff like that I I don't do that anymore you know now I I, I really try to make it uh try to make make them less expressive and and so there's a lot of things that are sort of in my blood like blues and things that just or 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 classical sense of melody that comes from prog rock and stuff that it's just not not a part of my expression but i'm sure that it's in there in some way or other you know mm-hmm. yeah is it still an emotional record for you though despite all that yeah, I mean, it, it it's all music for me. It's definitely all about the feeling. When I say cold, it's because I, I mean I like a cold feeling. I don't yeah. mean it's lacking in feeling. It's just sometimes people who only like pop music or only like rock music or they 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 get attached to certain types of feelings and they think that's what feeling is, you know. And like and to me, there's all ty- there's there's all different types of feelings to express. Um, in many ways, I'm I'm kind of a cold person, and that doesn't mean that I don't feel things very deeply, you know. Um, so in some ways, these kinds of melodies sort of reflect uh, who I am in in ways that maybe making uh, making more overtly expressive melodies, even though it's something I've developed a skill at, may not be as consistent with who I am as a person. Mm. Yeah. And, and why is it a John Frusciante record as opposed to a Trick Finger record? Well, naming it after my cat, who I knew was going to die soon, uh, I I felt that to call it John Frusciante was just it's just what felt right. And despite that, it has no guitar playing or 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 vocals. Uh, I'm not singing on it or playing guitar. I. I this has become the the natural means of expression for me. I I basically stopped. I lost my interest in songwriting in about two thousand nine or so, two thousand ten, and I continued writing songs that continued coming out of me for a couple of years. But I basically, uh, I think by two thousand eleven or twelve, I wasn't writing songs at all anymore. And and uh, and I've been through one phase or another, but like making music in this way generating ideas with machines and samples and stuff is 
it's just that's it, this is this is how I express myself now, and this yeah. is who I am. So it didn't seem like there was any reason to hide behind a moniker. Like like the trick finger thing came up at first just because at the time that we released it, it was already a good like seven years old, seven eight years old. Um, so it just seemed like I shouldn't name it after myself, you know. But in the case of this music, this is like this is brand new music, and I have called trick things also trick finger that are also brand new music but but just because now that was a name that was associated with me doing electronic music but mm. yeah at this point there's no there's no real definition to what the separation between the two things is cuz i just i'm not going to make a rock record i'm not going to make a, a a record of me singing songs or playing guitar or anything like that so so like me as an electronic musician no matter what it's called is is uh is what you're gonna get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and the Foregrow EP, which was your last um sort of outing out official outing as Jean Frusciante came out in two thousand sixteen, that that sort of feels like a like a middle ground. Yeah, I guess there's one song with vocals on there. I don't I don't know what I don't know what to say about it. Like 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 uh you know that stuff was all like recorded within the first few years of my development. It was all, you know, this this album like came it it really like came to be out of a period where I wasn't making music at all for a bit or very little, and then and then started really just trying to employ the technique that I developed and focus it as much as I could in specific ways on specific. Uh, in specific ways of working and and that's where you know this record was very much like okay now i'm i've i'm back where where i want to be as far as my ability to program machines and stuff and i'm going to make a record that sounds really like what i would want to hear you know i think at that time of of the other the the other the the records that i've made that, that are like They've made on electronic machines, but they have uh, they have they have other influences besides electronics that are obvious, like where I'm combining, you know, jazz and heavy metal and you know pop music and rap music and you know like just putting all these modern classical music. I I made you know several things where I was sort of combining a lot of different styles at once. At the time, that was the genuine like. Um, representation of who I was at that point because I hadn't I hadn't fully become an electronic musician in the way that I think yet at that time so like I was trying to make at each period of time whatever was the most natural thing for me to make so so at a at a certain point that was like you know just make music that's that's a combination of like all the different styles of music that have that have affected me and that and uh and now I, I, I have gotten to that point where I sort of, like somebody who grew up making electronic music, I see sort of rock music and pop music sort of from the outside. I look mm. at them almost as like, what could I sample from this or something? You know, like I don't, I, 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 in terms of like what, what records have a good breakbeat on them or whatever, you know, like it's been so long since I've like sat there and written lyrics to a song or written a, written a song in the conventional sense that like, that, uh, that when I listen to music like that, it's, 
it's like exploring a memory or something but mm. but the for me the real the real music that i that that my head really gets inside of and really that i feel like speaks to me is is just one genre or another of electronic music yeah and and what is it about jungle specifically that that works with your mindset um well it's a very exciting form of dance music for me that period especially from like 93 to 95 where it's it's so non-repetitive and there's so much experimentation and there's such a it's such a period of discovery where people don't know what it's supposed to sound like they don't know what it's supposed to be they're they're uh, they're in a perpetual state of discovery when they're when they're making it and and they where so much dance music is based around repetition which which i think has its own um uh things to recommend it as far as as far as the skill of being able to make a really good one bar drum beat or one bar melody or four bar melody or whatever um and so and so i i definitely see a, a huge value in 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 repetition uh but in jungle you you also have these drums that are almost like a drummer soloing only it's not boring like a rock drummer soloing because it keeps a beat driving forward yeah. you know so it it was this strange combination of like drum solo yet deep funk drummer at super hyper speed and it's just like i just find it endlessly interesting like i have my favorite artists in jungle and but there's so much more good jungle out there from that period of time than just those people, you know, like I, it's just some like with rock music, like as a collector, like I feel like I reached a sort of a ending where it was like, well, I've got all the good stuff now with, with jungle and hardcore. It's like, I've got a long, I've, I've, I'm a pretty avid collector and I've got a long way to go before I have everything, even from that little period of like 91 through 96 or whatever. It's just like, so much good original stuff was made at that time and i and i just find in general it's that way with styles of music when they start there's just something very pure and exciting about them and 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 there was just a lot of new ideas in the air at that time you know yeah. um similar to like the mid 60s for electric guitar or the late 50s for rock and roll or whatever you know so yeah yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, the music journalist and author Simon Reynolds, or maybe this is a Brian Eno concept actually, but he had has the concept of uh, senius versus genius, and oh um, yeah, about the environment. Yeah, yeah. and like it, it feels like okay, you have your lone geniuses like Bjork or something who like lives on an isolated island just like making crazy shit and then you have something like 93 jungle where a lot of people who are making like vital records are part of a scene yeah. and and they might just make like one white label 12 inch that's all you ever heard from them but it's part of this larger body of work and is is, is that something that like is attractive to you in general like because it does go along with that initial momentum of discovery. Yeah, it's what I tend, you know, it's the thing as a musician, as you get older, you're, you're trying to, that's the, that spark is the thing you're trying to maintain. So whether you're getting it out of like hearing that early, like 
dubstep where it was crossing from garage to UK garage into dubstep and they hadn't named it dubstep yet. And the, that stuff, it's just whatever, whatever period it is, or like where, where juke is becoming footwork or whatever. It's just any period like that, that spark, that, that energy that that music has, that's the thing you're trying to maintain to retain as you, as you get older, because you don't want to sound like, you're, you're repeating yourself. You don't want to sound like you're just playing music because it's a comfortable old shoe or something. If you you want to feel like you're discovering something and 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 uh, going to new territory and challenging yourself and all these things. And so that just that's the music that I find most inspiring to to do that. You know, whether it's listening to like early, like, you know, American blues from the 20s and 30s or whatever, or, 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 uh, or footwork or whatever it is, it's just like, like, that's what I, that's what I try to draw from because that's, that's the spirit that I want to be there in my music, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to, uh, pull a cheap move and stay on this concept of of genius versus senius or the the idea of the lone genius the wizard of oz or something like that yeah i i, I sorry did we, sorry i guess i skipped that part of the question no 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 yeah. i'm I'd, I'd like to you did address it but I'm, I'm very curious for a specific reason like in maybe 2015 2016 2017 you were like I effectively have no audience. I'm just going to put out a bunch of music and but but it seemed that's obviously not the case. Like you're putting out records, but is that I think it goes back to like the fact that you practice a lot still and the fact that a lot most producers only release like I don't know, 10% of what they make, but with you it's more like I love this period when I don't have to think about how this will be perceived or like, I, I like functioning in this, um, in this zone where I don't know if anybody's going to hear it. Yeah. I, 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 that's, it's, it's definitely a part of my pro progress over the years, the last 12 years or so that that's been unusual in that, um, I've made more than 30 hours of music with Venetian snares who was, you know, he he was the one person who, who, who I who I know who I'm friends with who I knew that with him and our friend Chris McDonald, uh, especially, uh, we really did make a lot of music with no no consideration at all for how it would be re released or whether or not it would be released, um, and. For a lot of people, that meant that would mean like it's throwaway music or something. No, if like for us, it was for me, it was the most important music that I was making. Everything that I was releasing was sort of like I saw as being something I was doing on the side. And the main thing that I was doing was uh, Aaron and I f flying back and forth from Winnipeg to Los Angeles and making music together like uh, for two weeks at a time. That was the central thing that I was doing. And, and, uh, and we did sort of see ourselves as being in a bubble, you know. We'd we'd leave the house and drive around to get supplies, to get food or you know beer or whatever it was, and we would we would 
we would see all the other people and and we would we would feel like we were aliens and that everybody else was a regular <laughs> human being you know we'd be on crazy sleep schedules and stuff and it, so so that's a that's a whole part of my progress that that like that other than one 12 inch that we've released we're going to release some stuff on ever but that's been behind the scenes and i think uh there's something that i like about or that at least at that time appealed to me about this idea of just being a scientist in a lab and and making music totally separated from the outside world and not letting the outside world affect you especially uh having come from a pop music background uh I was very accustomed to that idea that that music is made for an audience and a specific audience. The, yeah. And and uh, and so at that time, 2008, I really needed to get away from that. And Aaron was the only person who I could imagine having done that with, because most people have it somewhere in their head, sure. like, how's this going to be released? So we were doing like half hour long pieces of music and things like that that just and you know just very challenging music very like uh music that that you can't define you know um in terms of stylistically or anything and just really uh pushing ourselves to extremes and and uh and we did sort of see it as not existing within a context mm. uh, within a social context because we didn't we didn't perform live. We didn't. We didn't have an audience. You know, we didn't. At least we didn't have an audience in our in our minds that we were trying to make music to appeal to. You know, um, so I would say those records I made, like PBX and Enclosure, they were all made with that kind of mindset of what would it be like if somebody was just like stuck in a dark dungeon making music in the 1950s, but they had all the technological ad advances of right now, and and they were and and they they had music of the future as a reference or yeah, something yeah. what would they make like that's that's how i saw that music i didn't i wasn't trying to make something that i could then go on stage and perform i wasn't trying to make something that i thought would appeal to a rock audience or an electronic audience i was really just trying to make music that i thought would be like what can i do that's totally that would be totally divorced from the effort to please people with music yeah. and that's what was important to me at that time like i say with with the new music that i've made i've definitely tried to make it good by a certain standard that i perceive to exist amongst uh amongst a certain type of i guess you'd say like underground dj you know like yeah. uh, because that's the that's the social environment that that uh that Oratio 9 and I exist within and so I uh so I have tried to make music that's that's good by by a specific standard uh and and I I definitely haven't really tried to do that before the stuff that I've made this year I don't remember actually trying to do that it maybe the Empyrean or Stadium Arcadian like records that I made over 10 years ago like like those are where I was I was really trying to do something that could be considered good by a by some specific standard. In this case, it's not a it's not a standard that there could be any expectation of it selling like millions of records sure, or anything. Sure. But but uh, but it is a standard of quality, nevertheless. Yeah. yeah. And and you, you know you sort of hinted that your uh, social milieu between you and RT09, who. Um, you guys run a label now, 
like Evar that is a platform for new artists. And, and this is sort of, it, it seems like, yeah, first of all, some of the Speed Dealer Moms material will come out. And do you also see this as a way to, uh, you know, get more involved in um, the careers and creativity of some of these people who are around? Yeah, well, there, there's a lot of really great uh, artists in the underground that don't always have the opportunity to release uh, uh, the the music that may be the the side of them that's that's the least based in a particular style because a lot of labels are looking for particular styles of music and sometimes artists uh like i'll name uh like i i I don't know if i'm supposed to be like we have plans for like seven records at the moment but we haven't started the process of releasing yet so um but yeah like someone like lime wax for example like like He's known for making this intense like drum and bass type thing, but he also makes really great ambient music. He makes really great like uh, hard techno, and he makes really good like um, like sort of IDME autecker kind of influenced stuff. That's like uh, yeah, he has a lot of sides to him, and so I think one of our basic initial ideas that motivated us to have our own record company was that we could release records by people who. Uh, who may be known for one type of thing, but also do this other thing that they do really well. They just haven't yet released it that way because uh, because their audience is in another area, yeah. you know. And we felt we feel like, uh, yeah, that there were, that, that there would be room for a label that's, you know, or same thing with new artists like um, like we have some young uh, artists who we're going to be putting out stuff by that they're getting their careers off the ground as DJs and stuff, but they, they, uh, they're getting a good response from a certain type of thing, but they've got another, they, they also make like, like say somebody might be getting a good response from doing a techno type thing, but, but they may make really good drum and bass or something. And they, and, and that's just not like, it's not their focus at the, so far, you know, but, but their, their tracks are really good. So, so, uh, so yeah, we're, you know, and, and then there's also like RTO9 and I like, uh, we we have different tastes and, and, but there's a certain amount of overlapping. So we're sort of trying to cover, trying to have a certain amount of music on there that's like, that's, that meets in the middle of where our taste meets, yeah. you know? Um, and, and then there's other stuff that's like maybe more on my side or more on her side and, uh, but yeah, so far it seems like it's it's going to be a really ne- unique label. Yeah. yeah. For for artists like yourself who refuse to uh, be creatively pigeonholed or something like that, encouraging that idea. I think so. I think yeah, that's yeah. one of the basic ideas. I mean, at the same time, we might release some stuff that's just somebody putting their best step, their best foot forward of the stuff that that they are, you know, most well known for. That like we're we have no no limits as far as. Uh, as far as what we're interested in putting out other than the, you know, it's going to be stuff that we think is really good. Yeah. Yeah. So with Maya and Evar, it's like Richard D. James coming out of that bank vault he supposedly lived in or something where it's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to interact with things around me in a way that wasn't interesting to me in like 2010 or 2012. And, and this has something to do perhaps with you, 
um, rejoining the band as well, where one of the things that you said to me was just like, those last records that we made together meant a lot to people. And that was important to me. Like if they resonated with a lot of people, like I, I care about that. Yeah. Well, that, that's been kind of a shocking thing for me is just like the, the music that I made with the band continues to mean as much as it does to people. Um, you can't, you know, I, I think at the time that I've been at the times that I've been in the band previously, uh, you see so many means of marketing and promotion taking place that you think like, I don't know what's my talent and what's marketing and, and promotion, but like, I can't tell the difference, you know? And, and to me, this just seems manufactured and I can't actually like take credit for this popularity because there's so many other factors that make it be what it is. But something like music, you know, people still like actively listening to, you know, um, music you made 30 years ago, you can't, you can't promote your way to that. You can't buy that. You can't spend money to make that happen. Like that's, that's something that's, that, that, that's something in the transference of energy from one human being to another, to other human, one human being or four human beings to many human beings that, it's some kind of miracle or something. It's not. It, it's not something that I. I can't attribute it to marketing. You know, it, it's. It's so few bands from that period of time. There were bands, like Jane's Addiction, like when they were playing, like the the, the energy that I would feel at those shows, the magic of the the room, as well as the Chili Peppers before I was in them, like where everybody there just felt like they were at the best place they could be in the world. Like it was so exciting and magical and there's no way to make people see in retrospect, like what that was, that, that, what that, what that quality was that was in the, that made the air feel so thick in those, in those environments. Like um, all we have are the records and how they survive. And, and, um, and, and so in, in our case, like, like in my opinion, like a lot of the magic of the band had disappeared when I when I joined it. Um, but as far as what we created on record, it 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 wound up having a type of magic of its own that's wound up having this long lasting like uh, impact um, and connection with people's you know emotions. And so I don't disregard that. I I you know I I. I and also, like, I hadn't listened to the music in a long time, uh, about a couple of years ago, I guess. Like, and I started listening to, I listened to each of the records and was just, like, struck by, I heard the music in a different way. Now that I, I have all these years of not being a songwriter and moving sort of away from guitar being my, my expression and hearing the music in a way that I wouldn't have been able to had I been in the band this whole time, mm -hmm. you know, and just hearing, hearing, uh, I heard it clearly for the first time. Mm -hmm. I, I heard it not as a member, but just as an outsider. And, and, uh, and yeah, I just, I, I loved every part of it in a way that I, I, I was, you know, I was too inside of it when I was doing it to be able to, to hear what was strange about it and what was weird about it or what was unusual. It, I thought I was doing something very normal and I listened to it and I hear the ways that it's 
strange. I hear the ways that it's that it's uh, exceptional. Like I couldn't I couldn't see that when I was doing it. So uh, so yeah, presently the fact that there was a chance to work with those same people that I just have some sort of God given magic with was just uh, exciting. You know, yeah. as well as like in making electronic music, I've there's I have so many different ways of generating musical ideas uh, and and so much perspective on engineering that I didn't have then because uh, it's only been in the last 12 years that I learned how to engineer music myself. So mm. there's a lot of new things to be able to apply uh, to working with them that, that, are, that are proving to be really interesting and efficient. Mm. Yeah. One of the best potentialities of being involved in music at all is like this idea of being able to get out of yourself or participate in something, engage with something that's like bigger than you, you know, like this like larger thing. Yeah, yeah, like um, it's a certain type of challenge, like uh, trying to make music that a specific audience is going to think is good, you know. Um, and uh, rock music being something that, to my to my ear, has been like dying for quite a while and is really like taking its last its last breaths right now like like um i it seems like it seemed like an interesting challenge to try to make good rock music that's some ideas that people haven't thought of yet you know like uh, because uh from a lot of people's perspectives you would think that when when a music is dying it's because it's its possibilities have been explored and, and exhausted you know and mm -hmm. so I don't feel that way about any style of music. Like I, I feel like you could still come out with great blues music. You could still come out with great '50s style rock and roll. You could still, you know, I feel like, but and like on my eye, especially felt like you know, there's a lot I can do with the basic idea of jungle that's that's new and fresh sounding, you know, and and it, with the band, it's the same thing. It's like to. In, in making electronic music, I've, I'm a big collector of like soul records and funk records and stuff from the 60s and 70s. And we have our own sort of way of approaching those styles. Uh, it's something that I can only do with those people, you know, the like what Flea's bass playing does to my guitar playing. It, like it's it's what makes me want to play guitar. I, I don't really have too much of an interest in it were it not for that that if I write a set of chord changes, I get to hear how he plays bass over it. He has this way of playing something that's written, yet it's also improvised at the same time that's endlessly fun to listen to at rehearsals, you know. Um, I don't think I'd find that with another bass player, you know. It's just, our, and our styles were sort of made to to complement each other's styles. And that's something, that's not something you can, it's one of those God-given things. I don't think I can expect, I could expect to have that with any other bass player, you know? So, um, so yeah, all those, all those things contributed to my decision to, to uh, accept their offer to play in the band. You know? Well, I, I really appreciate you walking us through um, this evolution of your creative process and, and how, as it relates to like, rigorous study locking yourself up with the idea of uh being in a state of perpetual discovery with music and you know starting to interact with others more as well and like um 
Yeah, really appreciate you speaking. Yeah, there's yeah, there's there's thanks. There um yeah, there's just there's something about you know about trying to block out the concept of an audience that that at a at a time seemed like the the strongest thing I could do to keep my creativity fresh, you know. And then at a certain time it seemed like at a certain point it seemed like that became just like a, that to continue to go that to be that way would have been more of a cop out and not not willing to rise to a challenge you know so so yeah now now i i can understand that idea of uh sinius trying trying to be a be a part of a of a be a part of a of a group yeah thanks so much john really appreciate you speaking yeah thank you